0: Um, Two-Part Foam Terrorist. World's Cheapest Wedding Planner. And uh, D-Sports Racing Enabler. Ooh, just General Enabler, I enabler. would Enabler. Larry Holt. <laughs> if you could describe this lunch we just had in one word, what would it be? Lively. <laughs> okay. That is a way to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lively. Should we f*** off? Yeah, f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman.
1: Play Holder Radio sound. I'm a driver.
0: Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. I'm Sean Heckman. And I'm laughing because I know the people that are going to listen to this episode. Yep. Yep. And I'm a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, these are important people. But I'm not nervous right now driving back to Atlanta from Hilton Head, South Carolina. We just had a really cool experience at the Grand Motoring Film Festival where we were uh, doing some stuff with our TV series, which is available on Motor Trend. But today, right now, we are talking podcasts.
1: Podcasts? Who is this with this time?
0: This is with, uh, and this isn't. Bullshit. I'm saying bullshit because Larry likes to say the word bullshit. Probably one of the most influential people in motorsports on the planet, bar none. Not like not exaggerating. This is a big deal to get any time with Larry Holt, and we did. So Larry Holt,
1: we'll get the official stuff out of the way. Larry Holt is the executive vice president at Multimatic Special Vehicle Operations Group. That is the official title. Effectively, he's the guy at Multimatic on the racing side. Right. They have things that you know about. We also have things that you don't know about. Um, What you do know about are things like the Mazda DPI project and the current Porsche GTP project. Those are all cooperative projects with Larry Holt and Multimatic.
0: One throwback for Dinner With Racers, if you ever heard the Level 5 episode, which if you haven't, please go listen to Level 5 special. But uh, quite a lot of engineering support from Multimatic went into that project. So uh, if you want to know who killed D-Sports racing, it was Larry Holt. Yeah, yes, yeah, Larry, Larry Holt. Hull. Again, yeah. the
1: guy who's behind the current Porsche GTP, the old <laughs> right. Mazda DPI. Yeah. And he's also involved in several other extremely high profile racing projects that he can't mention and we can't mention. Yes. But let's just say it's not just GTP racing they're involved with. They right. are at a very high level at Multimatic.
0: Now, Larry, his accolades, his his racing successes are, are a big part of his story. But the reason almost everybody's going to click on this that works in motorsports is because Larry is a character. He's got big curly bushy hair. He dresses like he doesn't care about anything. And he talks the same way that he dresses. And he's extremely smart, extremely aware of what's going on around him, but also very fun, very engaging, and I like honestly it was a it was a big deal for me to get to sit down with him. He
1: had braids the yeah. day we were there. Yes. Legitimately had braids.
0: Yes. yes. Larry is one of the busiest guys in motorsports, so to get some time with him at his place in Goodwood, Canada, just outside of Toronto, was uh, honestly, it was, it was really cool, but also surprising, just because he's got so much going on, but he cleared his schedule for us, we sat down with him, we got takeout from a across the street, I want to make sure I got this right because they they made sandwiches for us, a whole platter. We have hats, uh, drink bottles. Like I, I'm way in. I had a, a a Reuben. I haven't had a Reuben in like ten years. And you had a uh, chicken I think sandwich. You had, no, it was a French dip. Was it? No, it was, was chicken it? sandwich. Are you sure, it was 100% chicken sandwich. Okay.
1: We also didn't pay for it.
0: Yeah, and so even if we did, I'd give these guys a shout out because that was that was a spread and very very good. Right across up the road from uh, Larry's place, so that that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, we we talked about all sorts of stuff. Which would include getting an engineering degree, but not being allowed to have it. Avoiding the Canadian cops and failing. And
1: as our editor can attest to, lots and lots and lots
0: of cussing. Uh, Learning that uh, very significant people that work in the industry have listened to our show before. You know who's uh, probably not going to listen to this episode? Oh, would
1: that be the person who's driving us all around the country right now, Sebastian Bourdais?
0: You know, uh, he's French, and so is the word chauffeur. Hi, I'm Sebastian Bourdais, and I'm totally driving this uh, SUV. You know what's not French? Huh. The smart choice in tires. That is
1: the light of your choices. That's That's not the phrase. It's it's
0: continental tires. The
1: smart choice in choosing tires.
0: Ah,
2: so close.
0: So close. Continental tire? You did the thing already? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know it's cheesy to say this, but our fan support is literally keeping the show on the road. So do us a favor, continue to support Continental Tire however you can, whether it's through shoe choices, tires for your car, belts for your car. They sell hoses for your garden. You name it, they got it going on. So please keep that up. And just as important as that, please keep tagging them in your support for our show, because that is helping keep this going, and we can't do this without you.
1: And with that... Here's Larry Hope. Meow. Meow. All right, we're gonna start in five, four, three, two. I don't know how to describe this place. Do you call this a studio? What do you call this? Um, it's just my place.
3: This is my <laughs> this is my um, this is my uh, yeah, my guy place in Canada. Yeah.
0: This is, uh, I mean, when someone says a man cave, I think this is what they what yeah. they have in mind. Yeah, I
3: don't, I don't use that because it's such a. I think it's an overused term. Sure, man sure. cave. But sure. this for sure. I mean, I'm looking at toolboxes
0: as yeah. are, are there clothes in there? Yeah, that's my clothes. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess I was like okay. I think those are your right. your dressers. There's no walls
1: here. <laughs> yeah, your, your your bedroom from the kitchen that we're in from what I'm calling the living room is separated by toolboxes. And hanging body parts, and that's your that's your wall. Yeah, those are all Scott Maxwell crash parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. And um, Multimatic, I don't want to I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm going to assume it's it's valued at it somewhere in the nine figures range or in the ten figures range. Multimatic, as a value. Oh, the company as well. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Not off motor racing, guys. <laughs> no, Oh, no, no, it's no, all, yeah, no, no, it's no, all sports cars. That's where we spend it. That, that, that. No, that's not true. I mean, we Mustang do, sales. We do. We do nice a okay off, off it, but yeah, it, that's no. It's, right. We're we're not a but motor. But it, it's
1: it's a dollar company, and you are in a studio here with no walls. It's my style, man. Yeah. That's what yeah. Neil, that's what Neil Young once said. That's my
0: style, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I expected. Uh, I didn't know I, I actually thought we were going to Multimatic so when we pulled up I was like oh this looks cool and then you walk in and it's just like really cool racing art everywhere you got a Siebkin's poster like mm-hmm. right when you walk in the door and you got the old Mustang GS hood and over
1: 2,000 CDs
3: yeah yeah there's a and lot of CDs but like records but that'd be record? from the past I've heard they've got that stuff on the interweb now yeah. so um, but I did spend a lot of time ripping all those on it uh, yeah <laughs> At the wrong at the wrong sampling, rate. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah you know, I know we're going to get along <laughs> you get you get left behind on that stuff, but I kept them all they're all over there, yeah, so yeah, most of it everything is hanging on the wall, and you talk about art is all really connected. there's nothing random as far as the art goes, like the thing here this this uh right behind you here sean is a is a piece of uh work that was done um on the spot right when right after we won um the GT2 class at Sebring in 06 with the with the Panos Esperante. This is uh, Jim Patterson? Yeah. 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 Patterson did it on there oh, right, neat. at the track yeah. right after we pulled this off and and the I mean the finish you I mean, wasn't that tight but there were three cars on the lead lap and it was the Flying Lizard Porsche and um and the Risi Ferrari and they were say eight seconds behind us and 30 seconds behind us at the end we had a prop shaft hanging off we had sebastian bordet in the car nursing it at home and um, and we won and that was when i i we were always involved with that car but in at the end of '05, don pulled the pin on his own team and then in january he phoned me and said hey would you run it all i gave him a number and we ended up running the cars for the whole year in '06. so that's that painting Kilimanjaro. There, I I got married at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. That's why there's a that. Yeah. Yeah. Heard so, this. Yeah. on the way to so. Nurburgring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on
3: the way to a race. Yeah. Actually, Kailami. Oh, nice, <laughs> it's, nice. it's halfway down. It's halfway down the African continent. Yeah. I thought I'd stop by. No, that's yeah. not the story. That's the, <laughs> it like, wasn't like, a, oh, I, why don't we get married? <laughs> I get I get big as shit for saying that. Mm-hmm. But and the rest of it's obviously all our racing stuff. Yeah,
0: stuff on the walls. Yeah. Um, I have to point out the uh, the best looking Daytona prototype of all time. Off. <laughs> oh, I've, we're five minutes in. Honestly, and I've g- told you to. Okay, I, I was going to give you. I was give you a lot of credit. That's
3: the most uh, I've uh, ever heard uh, you speak uh, without using the F word. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I was trying really hard, and <laughs> yeah. then you did that, and then you, <laughs> then you, you said, "Okay, just let it out." Just let it yeah, out. Just okay, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a very good looking car. Yeah. That's true. Um, well, it won. It it did, <laughs> in fact, win the Daytona prototype. Like i think going to be day, dead straight here, but um, in fact. won that race uh, with a with a gt porsche not us but we we were the winners uh that year of the new class and that's what jim you know france wanted to make a big deal out out of was that so we didn't actually qualify on the pole either but we started on the pole yeah um (laughs) so um yeah uh, it was um yeah, it was a bit of a weird year and there was only a handful of them, there were right. six or seven cars and everybody had trouble and we just had less trouble than everybody else. And and then ultimately, I mean, we have a history of doing that, going to mm-hmm. um going to races uh their very first time they raced. So we went to Le Mans in 2000 with the B2K40. Yeah. And um it was the first year for 675 and there were only six or seven cars there. And we won that class, mm-hmm. and then we go in 2000, whatever year that was, two or three, um, with that car in the first year of Daytona Prototype, and we won. You know, we won. Sure. And, and uh, two Daves and Scotty got themselves Rolex watches, and <laughs> and um, you know, and it's it's difficult to, you know, there's a Wikipedia page. I don't know who put it up, and it's about Multimatic and stuff. I think yeah, maybe our. People did and put it up, and then and there was a whole piece on winning, you know, with that car in mm-hmm. the inaugural race. And then I guess you know it's a it's a wiki, so anybody can get on there. So <laughs> I I guess Racers Group got on there and put in a piece. Oh, but wait, wait, did you do this I didn't. This I didn't. You? This was not. You made. didn't do that? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. I was trying to take a shot. I thought maybe. No, no, choose. no. You <laughs> could it. <take> but uh, <laughs> uh, but um, it says won the inaugural, you know, race of Daytona prototype. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. All positive, mm-hmm. and then there's a bit somebody sticks t- and really badly written because it. <laughs> It didn't, That's why so, you know it wasn't me. It, 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 <laughs> okay. No, no, but it's very difficult to make something like that flow <laughs> off of a, you know, even if you use a semicolon, right? It still, it still doesn't hang together very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but but uh, it was the racers group that actually won that race <laughs> with a with a G, with a GT three car or whatever it was, a <laughs> GT car. Anyway, so I love them. You know. yeah. no, I don't. Yeah. And, and yeah. So. <laughs> Do you guys still own that car? Uh, we still do have that car. Yeah. In fact, we finally, just in the last maybe two years, started really thinking about um, having respecting our past uh-huh. and and doing that because we're always just looking ahead and trying to do the next thing and and nobody really thought about it. And we kept a few things kicking around, mm-hmm. and then and then that thing we actually cut up and called it, turned it into something we called the parameter car, which allowed us to make all kind of changes to suspension and dampers and. And learn things with mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, we just wanted to learn why it was so <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, um and I think the answer was arrow. You know,
2: because <laughs> You sure <laughs> <laughs> off. Jeez relentless <laughs> you are seriously re- is this how this whole
3: thing's going to go because if you want to if you want to have a go at all my failures we could be here all day and and you can fill the whole show with them
0: <laughs> I think it's important that you know that like fans love that car because it's so ugly like like so there's a whole group of sports car fans especially on Facebook uh, the IMSA fans page which is more of a I don't
1: know that we've broken down what this car is that we're looking it's at it's
0: the it's the first Multimatic Daytona prototype yeah and the Gen and 1 Gen 1 DPs. One, yeah, yeah DP
3: yeah, yeah. Gen, t- And I did it because we weren't ready. For sure we weren't ready uh, at that time to do a car that level. But Jim France was starting this up. And Mm -hmm. Jim France had been very, very good to me. And, and I had, you know, I was fully in foot. Full, like, and I had a foot in both camps, you know, I was doing stuff with Don. Yep. Uh, Panos. Like, if you look <clears> right, up so there, there's a bunch of Panos stuff. LMS <laughs> stuff. There, there's the, right the there. And then and that, there's that there. And if you look really careful at that picture right on the front corner, there's a little Panos sticker. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, which I did to sort of i don't know, pacify don or piss off jim i don't we, we, either way we, we we put it on there and, and uh you know I had enough money to basically run them and jim helped me yeah. to, you know he he helped that pitstop.com thing on the side that's a, okay. that was a jim france thing and then the whole side of the car that's not the way it looked when we finally got to the track the whole side of the car was covered in stickers everybody giving me five grand ten grand and we put it together that way and and then we went and and yeah we were quick so yes, that's the, the we we jumped into that pretty early on. Never saw a wind tunnel with it until it got full scale, and and we 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 went Can't to tell uh, Lockheed.
2: Sorry, that wasn't
0: me. <laughs> what what you guys can
3: look at a car and tell me whether or not it's it's good aerodynamically? What the hell? <laughs> a driver and a journalist. I mean, well, come on. Yeah, but, okay, know. yes, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that it, one. Maybe <laughs> that <laughs> one? Like yeah. The rest of these look great. Well, yeah, we're yeah. spending a lot of time on this, yeah. but um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we didn't. We sold. I sold three or four of them. Yeah,
0: your intro is going to be a bit difficult because uh, to a, to like a non sports car fan or maybe just somebody that casually listens, they probably don't understand that you. I th- honestly, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I think you're probably one of the most influential single people in our sport globally because you guys have so much invested in so many different things. So you work for Multimatic Motorsports. Well, Multimatic. Which outside of racing does a ton of automotive parts and development and uh, prototyping and all sorts of things. And then you have a motorsports division, which is currently active in, I, I'm assuming, still in Formula One with suspension pieces and things like yep. that. Yep. Uh, you guys help stock the AMG GT3 trailer for IMSA North America.
3: We look after. Okay. A- we we look after AMG customer racing in okay. North America.
0: Yeah. You guys are involved with developing and building the Porsche LMDH?
3: We did the spine. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's a rule right the porsche can't do their own spine mm-hmm. it's got to be one of the four when you say spine you mean basically the, it's chassis. the rolling chassis. yeah copy, so copy. it's the carbon top yeah. all the suspension
0: yeah on the side yeah yeah you've been a long-standing partner with ford with their gt3 gt4 program the gs cars yep. all of that stuff and that's yep. continuing on yep um I, I, like who else is doing that much for this many different manufacturers no i
3: well, and programs. i, I don't I, yeah i don't think really anybody um you know Delara you know Delara sure Delara yeah. I think is um at their their mighty company mm-hmm. Delara's a mighty mighty company um beyond that I I don't you know it's got smaller and smaller over the years you know when we did that uh, when we did the Daytona prototype back in you know 102 there were seven constructors so you had Fabcar and Riley and and but now it's And Pikio, re- sir And, and Pikio. <laughs> yeah. the and other Pico's. the other fan favorite from the, yeah. the front yes. PCO yeah. 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 yeah um <laughs> But apparently, you think mine was uglier than that. You said nope. that's the most no, no, ugly. No, no, part no, no. You no, said that. No, no. no. <laughs> um, so, PKO, PKO, um, Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> there's less. There's less of that. Yeah. And you know, um, it's. Uh, I think the reason why that is isn't just about you know me or influential or even all my guys who were just excellent, excellent people. But it's the. There's a very. um there's a good blending of this activity into our mainstream business right. and and so it touches it touches each other both those two sides of our business not maybe initially back when we started all this mess in 92 racing in 92 but through the years it's connected us closer and closer and closer certainly when we got into the racing damper business and and then and then that grew into this, one of the great transfer stories you know you talk about motorsports getting transferred into the mainstream mainstream automotive business that this is the damper the damper side of our of our company uh, shock absorber business that 100% started racing right then 100% um, that led to a technology development of us looking at valves conventional way of valving shock absorbers and coming up with a new way to do it and then that was a very expensive way to make a part and then over 10 years we figured out a way of a affordable way to make that that type of thing that was a big focus and then that's turned into an ever-growing business um, for that technology which we call dynamic suspension spool valve so that that's a great story and that allows you if you're doing all this technology development on racing and and you get to a lot of carryover technology going into the mainstream then you become that side of our business being in the automotive um, in the automotive mainstream has has made our racing stronger our, our business so our business with Porsche and those kind of right. things. So when well, it creates I, a lot of business
1: stability, I
2: see. Yeah, it's
3: really it's good. So it hasn't sort of you know, growing independently, motorsport growing independently and be you know, being having so many fingers in so many pies just because motorsport's good, it's the entire company. So the engineering a lot of the engineering side not the specific motor racing drawing lines bit, but all the analysis like the CFD, the computational fluid dynamics for, for doing simulation of aerodynamics, or structural um, a structural prediction on computer, all that stuff. there isn't one for racing and one for mainstream business. It's one. So it's not only developing product, it's developing process systems. And we, and the timing around do, doing stuff for racing, you know it's a different pace, right? Like when you when you do a component for a for a, a mainstream program, you have four years. They develop the car, right. and you know we could do it in six months. But you sort of get dragged around by the, and it's not because they're inefficient. They're doing a whole car. We're just doing a piece of a car, right? So, um, you know that, that that the the way motorsport works, there. So you're bringing some of that that energy and that, that way of doing it and trying to do it fast into our mainstream business, which gives us an advantage there. It also helps us draw in
1: talent. You know, if you're, we make some pretty mundane stuff. We make door hinges. Well, I, I was going to say that, like when you say mainstream business, I mean, one of the core things that multi, like we all know Multimatic for this podcast, people would know it as the, the racing group um, that does all the race car stuff. But I mean, literally you guys produce hundreds of thousands of door hinges yeah. out of the same facility. Well, or different campus, same campus. D- d- same campus yeah, or, yeah, same
3: same Toronto area. But, yeah. I mean, we're all over the world. But, right. yeah, uh, uh, the same company. And the engineering of those things these days, it's not – you don't get a drawing from a from an OEM. You have to develop – they say this amount of space, this, this, this,
1: this, and, but and this. But literally door hinges for this or that yep. major manufacturer. Yep. Done
3: in the same engineering office is what as where the race cars they, come from. Where is the for. race car yeah. stuff? Yeah, because, yeah. 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 like, uh,
0: just to kind of go down the list of things you guys make uh, – you guys are doing, like, bumper pieces for Honda. Yeah. You're doing door hinges for Ford. You're doing suspension pieces for yep. Ford. It's so much bigger than racing ever could be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. I mean, it's like... so. Of course, yeah. How many people work at Multimatic on, on outside of the motorsport side? Off the top of my head, I mean, I don't really follow that. I would have to say... I think it's somewhere between four and 5,000 people. Oh, geez, okay. Yeah. yeah. How many were there when you guys
3: started? Oh, when I... when. I didn't start. Pete started it. Pete Chaka started it back in um, 85. I joined in 87. When I came in, his, his, vision, his vision was always, and, and he was way ahead of his time, was to be able to develop a product that everybody wanted and manufacturing it and manufacture it. And then you're not under the same pressure of them giving you a product and saying, um, you know, five guys quote this and the cheapest guy gets it. Because in the end, that's that's a spiral to, to not being very good in business. And a lot of that kind of business moved south to Mexico. And so he had this vision. And and uh, I was working at Magna. And Multimatic was kind of, at that point, it's totally independent now, but it was a spinoff of, of Magna. And um, he saw what I was doing. And my area of expertise was in simulation, computer computer simulation. And anyway, we connected. When I joined him, he was about 20 four million probably he like he rapidly grew that business as, as built to print but then we got heavy into developing product or even helping change something that we've been given as a built to print and saying hey you know if you engineer this like this this could be better stronger and cheaper and and the business the business really grew on the back of that vision on the back of a technology um technological driven product development so we yes so we don't just engineer stuff engine as peter will say engineering it and not doing anything with it that don't you know yeah you could make some money engineering something but the beauty is engineering it engineering some some differentiator into it that the, the, the customer wants And then selling it for five years. Selling that product in very large volumes for five years. And that's the Multimatic model. Hasn't changed. How many CFD machines do you have? Oh, Our clusters? Oh, man. They're like, they're, yeah, the 500, 600 cores. So
1: if you use 75 of them to make a
3: D-Sports racer, it's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) And all this is just for a D-Sport racer. How many times did you ask him that? How many times did you say, Jeff, Jeff? And this is all for a D Sport racer. Yeah. How many times did uh, you I'm ask glad, this? I'm glad. <laughs> That's what
1: we <laughs> or wanted. are you that. like, "Come on
3: down"? <laughs>
1: uh, no, I never said, "Come on down." <laughs> we got plenty. I, ne- I know, no, no, no. But knew, just knew. because I'm not sure how clear it is in the podcast, but the D sports racer story that Jeff Brown tells—obviously, Jeff is the head of that that program. <laughs> yes. But yes, multi- he didn't work for me, right? Yeah. But Multimatic yeah. was a key partner in some of the R and D that went into the D Sport. Yeah, racer. No, the car was built in my shop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, you did this.
3: Right. You
0: ruined club racing. At what I, point in the
3: story? <laughs> you know, guys, I don't know what, I didn't know why the D-Sport race I mean, I heard he'd bought st- Store or West or somebody yeah, bought. Yeah, yeah, Scott mean, Tucker. Yeah, Like I've been with, okay, yeah, Scott Tucker. Well, I just want to make
0: sure the fans understand where we're going here. Scott Tucker. <laughs>
3: yeah. so, but we were already really, really embedded with Scott Tucker because yeah. we were doing all the performance engineering for the PCAR program. Which started as a Lola program, yeah. then turned into an Acura program. I actually race engineered one of those cars a couple of times, right. and um, so we were doing all that, right? So you have and a working, working with relationship
1: with with Scott Tucker and mm-hmm, Jeff
3: Brown. Mm-hmm. Right. The whole thing was run by David Stone, um, who 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 passed away some years ago. Pretty pretty on the ball guy, David Stone, and he he ran that thing for for tucker and i think they messed around with a ferrari challenge car pretty hard too and they did they did something with that and then this d-sport racer thing came up and i didn't know what that was right and and you know not because i don't when i actually find out what it is and it's guys doing really cool in their garages and and then going out and race them it's kind of if i had you know Five minutes spare time, which I don't have. Maybe that be my kind of racing, like doing something cool like
1: that. So you got to have respect for those. Guys. You got these. You oh. got these crafty garage builders. <laughs> yes, and then and, Scott and then Tucker you decides got- he wants a certificate. <laughs> Yeah, I got I think they Are got a Wendy's. Rights. I think yeah. they got
3: some Wendy's. Holy uh, shit. <laughs> yeah. How well did you listen to our show, man? No, no, I think I knew that they got I think I think part of my payment was some of those Wendy's gift certificates. I don't I don't know. I I do listen to your podcast. Yeah, yeah you do. Cuz that's I, a I, really I,
0: specific one-liner. The, no, 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 no <laughs> the,
3: the the Wendy's, that was yours. Yeah, and a trophy. <laughs> well, the trophy was not for the winning that race, it was about a little bit about breaking the 2 minute. Yeah, yeah right. That was yeah, No, that was no, a little, no SCCA yeah. National <laughs> Um, class right. broken the two minute. Yeah. Year. Yeah. Um, the you know, cloud. Colin Braun went out there and he could have put it on the front row of the, of yeah. the, of the, of the LMP race yeah. for the oh Yeah. I think yeah, it no. was like P2. I or know. P3. And I never yeah. really. Okay. I'll, I'll give you guys. That. I never really, really thought about how embarrassing that was until <laughs> I listened to that podcast. Chuck, I listened. We've done this. We've yeah, changed this No You've, changed, hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've yeah. changed me <laughs> in okay. the fact I thought. Felt- <laughs> I listened to that. Some people went, oh, that's cool. Like this and this. What did Larry think? When you listened to that podcast, he went, oh, this is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 like... like and, and, and Jeff says, they're up on the grid. And, you know... And, <laughs> They got three sets of tire warmers. And they got wets and intermediates and things. Right. And you can't have tire warmers in the pit lane. So they got them over that chain-link yeah, yeah, fence. Yeah, and 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 right And over. they got guys out there, and they all got radios on. Yeah. And he's standing in front of the car. Yeah. And here comes some guy with his wife and his, an umbrella. and his 12-year-old yeah. <laughs> pushing yeah. their car up on the grid. And Jeff went, oh, man, we, we might have overdone it. And you guys went, that's when you figured out you've overdone it?
1: I, uh, so you're not on the grid, per se, <laughs> but you're part of the development of this car, uh, guys. What are you trying to do? <laughs> hang this on me? This is going
3: where no, you want to go? Where no. are you going?
0: No, you're not wh- the you're wh- not wh- the villain wh- here. Wh- wh- it's documented I was who the villain is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was.
3: Um- <laughs> No, you're trying to make me look like a drug, no, a drug, I wanna, a drug I dealer. Wanna, I just want to know uh, you're <laughs> trying to like that. They were taking drugs, and somehow I was the dealer. You were the supplier. No, that's not the case. I know there's an SL500 out there that looks like a drug dealer car. That's not mine. That's one of my tenants, but I never dealt any drugs to these guys. They, these they, are your words, sir. They, they came in and said... You know, we want to run – they run the simulator yeah, and run it yeah. like a massive number. Yeah, 75 cores of the of the CFD.
1: <laughs> and and um, and then we built the car at so, Multimatic right yeah. here in like well, That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like when all, these, when all these machines are being used on the CFD side at Multimatic, at no point are you doing the – we were so busy asking if we could that we didn't ask if we <laughs> so should. should. Yeah, right. Like at no point was this in your head. I understand <laughs> until, you're not a D-Sports racer guy. a dumb wow. podcast How far? about
3: eating <laughs> – where are we in here? We're like 30 minutes in, and you guys are trying to entrap me in and, 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 uh, and the culpability of something that was really stupid. <laughs> it was really stupid. Yeah. yeah. the whole engine quite amazing. I didn't yeah, but it's not really. Um, so Colin Braun, yeah. t- we took it uh, for its first runs up to Calabogie, where mm-hmm. we do all our development testing. Mm-hmm.
1: to this day, it holds a lap record down. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: by a good chunk. Okay, can we move on? Well, so we're we're not really a biography show, no. but we should learn about yeah the, the origins here. But I'll go ahead, Ryan.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, so so <laughs> you you're you're basically the the owner. Is he the president, or are you the president of Multimatic, Peter Zapka?
1: No, Peter
3: is the owner. Okay, so yeah, and he's still CEO. Yeah, still operational CEO. Yeah. And then we brought in Raj Nair a few years ago from Ford, five six years ago. He's the president, <clears throat> and then we have a bunch of groups, five five groups. And I'm, I run one of the groups where they call me, uh, I'm not big on titles. I don't have a business card. Um, executive vice president of, of what they call Multimatic Special Vehicle Operations. And, and you specifically, how much of your day is motorsport? Um, a lot of my day right now is uh, making AMG ones um, that, that we, we designed and developed that car. So I'm, I'm heavily involved in, in all of the low volume car programs. And there's a lot of that. I would say 50% motorsport. Well, it should be 50% motorsport and 50% uh, developing. the. So although I don't run the plants that make the low-volume cars, I have the responsibility for getting the jobs in. My number one, right? Raj gave me a list. Number one on the list is we got to keep feeding these two manufacturing plants that make low-volume cars. So the one that made the Ford GT here in Toronto, and the one in
1: Coventry? Just to, and, just to sort of translate the language, a low-volume car. car would be like a specialty vehicle or a high-end thing that you're not going to make a million of these cars. Yeah, Four yeah, GT, car, yeah. GT
3: 1,350 cars. Right. We're done that job. But now. that's what I'm saying. It's like yep. you're not
1: making F-150s. You're making no.
3: something that sells no. for a very high price at a no. low volume. Yeah, yeah, we're not even making Ferraris, which they make 10000 We're We're making in the hundreds. Like we okay over a thousand with the GT, but that was over six years. Um, AMG one two hundred seventy five cars. Right.
1: right. Um, so low volume cars is very very low volume. Very high we'd cars. say
3: that wouldn't be low volume in the real world. If you ask Ford what's low volume, they'd say it's this. This is ultra low volume. So half my time on ultra low volume vehicles, and half my time on motorsport. And but right now with quite a bit of not. 50 50 with a bunch of other things i'm doing i'm working with the engineering group on stuff and this i'm still getting involved with other things so it's probably a third low volume third motorsport and a third things that aren't right. even on but my
1: list of low volume and right. motorsport are still specialty engineering mm-hmm. you're not you're not making something you're making ten thousand
0: of yeah, yeah exactly so to kind of give the background on multimatic uh peter zach's father uh and, and his partner they started magna Corp. wow, wow. Where, where are you getting all this from internet is that not right Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) I was like, wait, wait, I thought. You read a book. Uh, So they start a parts company. They become one of the biggest parts suppliers in the world? Third.
3: Third, okay. Magna is the third largest um, automotive supply company in the world behind Bosch and Denzel.
0: Okay. So then in the 80s, Peter's... Are we allowed to say Peter? <laughs>
3: like when Peter, I met yeah. him, he was just a
0: normal guy. I don't want to be. rude. Peter is yeah. a very normal yeah. guy, yeah. and we call him Peter. Okay, cool. So Peter starts his own uh, company, which is a, a tribute to his dad because it was originally Magnacorp's Corp was Yeah, Multimatic. he didn't do
3: it as a tribute to his dad. Well, the his name, dad, the his name, dad sorry. was still no. it wasn't even. Uh, okay. I don't think it was even Peter's idea. I think um, he just started a company because he wanted to run a company, and he had he'd grown up around the manufacturing business. And yes, Frank stonek and and Anton Chapka started the business back in the late 50s. Didn't know what they were, you know. They started a tool shop, and then they then they started getting into stamping, and then it just grew and grew and grew. And the, the name of that the very first company was called um, Accurate Tool and Die. It was a tool shop, and the and the business that made stuff they called Multimatic. And you go, well, that's a- weird name but it's 1959 and everything was something matic yeah right yeah High dramatic transmissions <laughs> yeah instamatic yeah, yeah. cameras yeah multimatic yeah. so it was multimatic and then um and then when peter peter didn't you know his father really didn't have anything to do with it he went to see frank stronach who was the chairman and said you know i think it's time i should start a division i think he was like 25 years old or something and and he and he did and it was Frank, I think, that said, "Why don't you use the original name?" You know, and Peter, being Peter at that time, I think he he go, "Yeah, that's a really cool idea." He went, "Hey, you know, I'm going to save twenty five hundred dollars on registering a new name <laughs> for the company," <laughs> and, and and he did. Yeah, and yeah. and that's how we became Multimatic. Legend has it you're a junior engineer at Magna. That's yes, I. That was legendary junior. You know, <laughs> Everybody I knew I was, about it. It was I all was, over the papers. I was working yeah. at Magna, and yeah, and I got to know Peter, and and then. Um, and he was working on a couple of engineering projects that I thought were really cool. And um, he
0: he approached me, and I, I, I jumped ship. So the, the story I, I read was that there was a competition to design a jack. Holy shit where are you getting this from? Am I not? Is it not that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> what I find interesting is, that, and we come up with these little things sometimes, like you know, Joe Vardy took a left to go to Vegas, and it changed his life because he ended up going to Mid-Ohio. Yeah. You know, like things like that. The, this jack competition, mm-hmm. Uh. Th- uh Multimatic's building a jack or trying to, and it keeps failing, right? It's wow, got this, weak this points. this is a,
3: quite amazing. So the story goes, you're absolutely right. There was a guy, um, Peter had some engineering before I showed up. Had a guy, Rudy Gruber, um, who is absolutely a genius, an absolute genius, still with us. Unfortunately, he doesn't work with me anymore. He's still on the engineering side. In fact, he is now our CTO, Chief Technical Officer. A brilliant guy. So they engaged. This was part of Peter's plan at the time. Chrysler had put out a tender for, and it was a great opportunity because it was not a built-to-print job. It was, we need a a jack to lift the heaviest car we got, truck, to do this and fit inside a 14-inch spare wheel. So it goes inside. So if you ever have a flat tire, Mm -hmm. that's what you're working on. But it's like a one jack does the entire corporation of Chrysler.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Bit of a dream. (laughs) So Rudy came up with a super clever scissor and a half idea had a slider on the bottom so it, it met all the criteria they built some prototypes because they were you know those guys were all kind of hands-on guys and they keep breaking they were breaking and i was running this this group at magna that was a, what they call cae computer aided engineering which at that time included cad which is like a mainstream that's like you know i was in charge of those board, like a drawing yeah, board yeah, yeah. Yeah. i got a drawing board over there um You know, you're not in charge of CAD anymore. CAD is something you can look after yourself. But at that time, CAD, computer aided engineering, was it was all part of that and finite element analysis, which was a a, a mathematical approach uh, for using a computer to calculate stresses in any anything. Like I come from a stress background, and we used to have all these books that had. All of these cases of all of these different things—a simply supported beam, or a built-in, or this, or—and it's you, or this, and you get things like energy methods, like Castigliano, these ways of calculating stresses, and and it's just a major ball ache of, of math, and and so all of a sudden, this guy Zinkovich comes up with this idea of discretizing complex things into little tiny squares and having a mathematical. Uh, formula for each one of these little bricks inside the whole thing and then having a computer because that's you have to solve all those little bricks simultaneously so it's just you need huge compute and and compute got to the point where you could do it and so at magna they had that stuff and when is this Uh, this is like this is um mid-80s was zinkovich the whole the real push on this stuff happened in the in the seventies, the aer- aerospace industry led by, like, but this kind of 50s. computation in the in 80s automotive had to be, the industry in yeah. the eighties was a pretty pretty advanced. Yeah, and I really an- initially got into it out of school. I went to Massey Ferguson for a few years, and we were using it in the ag business. And then I got anyway. Then I ended up at Magnum. Then so um, Pete sees what I'm doing. I'm, I'm calculating all kinds. He says, "I got this problem with this jack. Can you um, can you have a look at it?" You know, he didn't know what it was, right? But, but you're so, the computer kid. I'm not geek. Yeah, so you're
1: the computer kid. You I was never geek, by the right. way. But but okay,
3: let's uh-huh. go- <laughs> sure. I like how he looked at yeah. you. But
0: right okay, okay. He, he looked right, right in your eyes me. when yeah, yeah, he yeah. said it. He was like, "Listen here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we eat under an umbrella. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you think uh, I
3: have an umbrella inside my kitchen? Yeah. No, but, my, right. but my point
1: is, I imagine you're like the computer kid with the newfangled technology that yes. he's not used to. Right. Right. And he said, "Could you figure this out?" Because he was he was really.
3: Pretty deep into this thing and spent a bunch of money on prototypes and stuff. So I did analysis on this thing and came back and they didn't give me. This is the perfect test. They didn't tell me where it was breaking or what was going on. And I came back with this stuff. I don't remember if we did that under the table and he didn't, you know, pay. Man, I don't remember how all sure. that happens. I do remember huddling around the table at his new plant and we looked at it and I said, like, this thing's gonna break through here every time. And they went, that's where it's breaking nice okay that's like that's where it's breaking the kid then, stays yeah 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 he lives yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> and and uh and and they we re- reworked it and and uh they reworked it and sure enough it you know i told them how to rework it i mean it ran into other problems after that we had all kinds of problems with the lead screw i mean at that point yeah that became black magic was the lead screw and the and the how you how you, what kind of grease you use on the lead screw and i want them involved with that part but they they got all that sorted out but peter then said why do you why you know because rudy was he couldn't manage rudy directly and rudy was needing he he you know rudy is
1: really clever and and but wanted somebody else to work with and so anyway i yeah i Peter's a the artist so to speak or, i mean not peter but but rudy's rudy. sort of the artist so to speak but yeah. sometimes you need you need it, yeah. a right-hand man to maybe help yep. manage you as yep. a human. And
3: yeah. I, came, I came over, and that was it. You know, today, engineering is, you know, how many thousand people or whatever
0: it is. It's it's, it's a big thing. The final thought there uh, is, would you expect a handjack to be the direction-changing thing for your life that helped you win no. F1 championships for people, no. winning Le Mans? No, <laughs> <Like all> no <laughs> that didn't connect,
3: right? That wasn't – that was – what you think I had that planned out? Yeah. No, no, right no I'm saying isn't, no. it, isn't no. it crazy and that now it, you're it, on it, dinner it, with racers? Yeah, now you met Sean and I. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> it's never, never about that part of it. Yeah. It's about people. I mean, I went there because of Peter. Yeah. Because he's a quite an amazing character yeah he doesn't want to be told you know he doesn't want the world to know maybe yeah. he is an amazing absolutely amazing character i'm not blowing smoke he won't listen to this um <laughs> yeah. i don't know he, he had specific rules for you he might
0: just no check in. <laughs> he, no he'll get roused to do
3: that
1: he'll delegate Jesus. that razzle razzle,
0: razzle yeah. check that I, I follow the, the rules. company yeah but, yeah. but um, peter
1: and my parents have something in common yeah um, <laughs>
3: he he <laughs> no he's he uh it's about people and i went yeah. there not because I thought I was going to go motor racing and this and this because I'm a big, I'm, I come from motor racing. In fact, I gave up motor racing a lot to, to do what we did at, at Multimatic. Um, but it wasn't going there because we're going to, I went there because this guy has something, yeah. has like that. He has something. Peter has
0: something. He he's, um, it's like the it factor people talk about.
3: Yeah, yeah. he has yeah. it. Right. And, and he has it to this day. And, and, um, and I went there, and everything I I would have hoped to do, and expected to
1: do, like, it came true. What I'm also hearing is that, at a young age, when you sort of make this critical left turn to start designing a jack, um, you had you had a specialty skill set at that age. As in other words, and this is the thing I think any young engineer should take That's away a differentiator. Yeah. Is that as the as because the, how old were you? Twenty three, twenty
3: four. I was um, no, I was
1: a bit old now. I was. uh Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven in that grand yeah. scheme is still like you're the kid, and you're the kid that knows the newfangled things. But thing Peter that the other was a kid. Don't know.
3: Sure, we were all kids. Sure. But yeah, I
1: had something complete—a differentiator. Right. Absolutely. That they're like, "Hey, kid, check this out." Yeah. Which, if yeah. you're yeah. twenty-two to thirty, um, <laughs> yeah. having something different than another kid that's that's in the same shop yeah. is going to help you. I've been very lucky through all my life
3: because because you can't just be good. You got to have some luck. And what happened was, there was. Um, I was at school. I went to uh, I went to a place here in Toronto called Ryerson, Ryerson Polytechnical Institute. And well, I went to Waterloo. They decided that maybe I wasn't
0: you know, <laughs> <And> Waterloo material.
3: <laughs> I, you know that's a funny joke, and it's true. I was I have loads of Waterloo and en- uh, graduate engineers working for me, but I was not. I was not. And Waterloo's the best engineering school in this country. And I got in. Just getting in is a big deal. I got in, and then. Um, You know, I I, I didn't do a good job of that part of my life right there that that year. (laughs) I had some memorable, really memorable that went down during that time. Is that that the university? No, Ryerson. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. No, (laughs) you need to get to that. But but what happened (laughs) was, I went. You know, they weren't. They 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 didn't really were doing much in finite element analysis at Waterloo in that period. But I was in third year. Or fourth year at Ryerson, which was my fifth year of, of uh, post-secondary education. There was a guy who had gone to um, Ryerson um, and graduated from Ryerson, who had moved on and gone to Ontario Hydro, um, uh, Hydro is our electricity organization here, in Ontario Hydro Research and we had a we we here in canada have a very specific type of atomic reactor it's different than the rest of the world heavy water uses heavy water and, and there's a lot of finite element analysis that goes on when you're designing a reactor uh, a reactor and structurally because it's kind of important to keep the bad <laughs> inside it when it's making the heat and and this guy richard Sauvey, was his name had gone on and done a master's and a PhD, and he he worked for Ontario Hydro Research. And one of the professors had contacted him and said, do hey, you want to come here and do a night course on this new magic finite element thing? And, um, and you know, he talked, he, he wanted to do it. So he, he came in and did t- a night. So we all committed, anybody that really wanted to do it, because we're cutting heavy into beer time, you know, because it was uh, like seven till nine, two nights a week. The guy was a brilliant guy, but a total, it was just pure math. Yeah. Pure, pure math. Fun. Just, oh, <laughs> like painful, painful. But mm-hmm. I, I got it. I kind of, you know, because I was into machine design, and I got it. Like, yeah, doing it all the old way. This this seems to be, you know, I bought Zinkovich's textbook. I mean, it's, and you should try reading that. Um, nope. No. No, <laughs> I should not. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> and, and so I got really, really into it. About halfway, and everybody's falling by the wayside, and everybody's getting <laughs> marks. And I'm, like, working my ass off on this thing because I really, really, I was really into it. But the the guy who was teaching us, Sove, I guess he looked out there one night and went, I'm losing these boys. <laughs> like, they're, <laughs> they're a couple of them drifting off to the pub, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they're not, they're, I'm not getting them back. They're down, They're yeah, so they're down in Edgerton's, which was the name of the pub. And, and uh, anyway, so they... They brought in a guy, um, Haig Sedation, who had done his master's degree at Imperial College in London um, under a guy named Argyris, who was also one of the original inventors of the whole finite element thing. And and Haig gave us this, this is what we're using it for. And, And he didn't get in any of the math or any of the theory. And he just showed us all these things and these big castings they were analyzing. And I'm thinking, you couldn't do that by hand. There's no way you can do that by hand. There's no c- calculation for continuum, casting continuum like that to calculate the stresses in those areas it would be impossible. And, and yeah, I went, wow, right? And it g me up a bit more. Anyway, graduated at the top of that, like right at the top by by a good chunk, five or 7% more than the next level. 50% failure rate, um, a lot of awful. And then... I graduated right up. Well, I didn't actually. That's another story. But yep. um, I almost graduated. We but um, yeah, me too. Put that on your list. No, no, I did in the end. Once oh, I paid okay. the restitution for the damage, I did actually. I did actually, <laughs> I, I, I did actually pay, graduate, and then um, I went, and there was no jobs. 1983, I graduated, or was trying to graduate. In 1983, and you know when I went there from Waterloo in '79, I went there when the when at the end of the year, when all the jobs, graduate jobs were, and they had these boards that with glass doors, and they were full, and then they were pinning them on the wall, and there was like, I walk in there in 1983, and there's
1: three jobs. Three jobs. Oh,
3: when you for, were you were
1: built on the idea that it could be infinite.
3: Yeah, yeah, but you know what? When there's a recession or a turndown, and people don't want to hire students, then Ryerson can't control that. So I went back to building houses,
1: and one day, I'm up there – Hammered nails oh, into us. When you say building houses, like you're physically doing the work, building houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. nailing down a, a, a subfloor
3: right. on a, on a house, and and I was doing it close enough to home with that, this crazy degree that you have. Yep. got a, Well, I didn't have it at that point because I hadn't paid yeah, yeah. the restitution I on the April okay. Fools' prank. Yeah, we're, we'll we're going to get to this. Yeah, but, yes. but,
1: uh, um. <laughs> but bottom line is, you've got this crazy education, and you're out building yes. roofs. And I and so I went home for lunch one day
3: after you know hammered nails and I went home. To, for lunch, and, and my mom says, "Hey, somebody phoned for you this morning." You know that's just sad, right? Because I'm 23 and I'm graduated, and my num- my phone number is my mom's home phone number, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it was for many years. Yeah. And and some guy phoned, and I go, "He, he wants to talk to you." Go, What's his name? And she completely mangles it. Hague had had yeah. sadjan. Yeah. I go Hague sedation, and she goes, "Yeah, yeah, Hague sedation." So I phone Hague Sedation. He goes, Larry. He says, um, "I was talking to Richard Souve, and he says I need a guy, find an element guy here. I've got a, a small group um, here in Mississauga, Ontario, and he says we're doing all the analysis like I showed you in that that night." I go, "Yeah," and, and we need a guy now. And and I phone Souve, and he says, "You're the top guy in the class. Can you come and see me on Monday? You know, for for an interview." Yeah. yeah,
1: and so I don't know. I'm building a
3: duplex right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um you know, at that time I had been—it's been spent two months building houses—and I was down to looking at at that time in '83, and this was no my seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand dollar drafting jobs, working on one of them drafting boards like I got over there, just yeah. drawing somebody right. else's ideas. But it's indoor and not on a roof, exactly. The roof. Yeah, and I was after them, and I was down to looking. I'd been offered a drafting because I was good on a draft board. Seventeen eighteen thousand dollars, and I was thinking about that, but you know the job jobs were getting twenty four twenty five grand at that time, so I go see Hague, blah, 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 talks to me, I want to do this, I want to do that he says, you know it's a bit tight, I can offer you thirty you know thirty thousand dollars and a thing and the thing, and I go. Uh, okay. <laughs> can I start tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like almost twice as much as anything else you could have. And that's so, yeah. how I. And he was running the analysis group at Massey Ferguson, and, and I and I had met him. So all that you know, there's another message. Yeah. What did we do after those courses? You know, we went straight to the pub, and that night, you know, that he was there, and all those guys got around him, you know, to talk to him, and can you get your card? I left and went to the pub. Because that's the most uncool thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. Clamory. So it's not yeah. about climbing all over a guy yeah. after a time. Hey, I'm this guy, and I uh, just do your best work, become the top guy in the class. He phoned Souve. I didn't hang out kissing, kissing his butt at the end of the at the end of the lecture. I went to the pub like I did every Tuesday and Thursday night. Right, right. What? What were mom and dad?
0: Dad was a motorcycle racer, right? My dad was. Oh my! <laughs> Is that all on the internet? yeah is it i mean you gotta dig is that right there's right? not a lot of larry holt podcasts this this no, no, better no. this better hit for us
3: no no i mean yeah well that's because <laughs> you know i got the- i got people who say you shouldn't be doing that oh there. no this
0: took a but, while to get you
3: yeah. my dad was in the car business um he was a retail car salesman um started off in the motorcycle retail business that's where we started racing for bsa that's how we got to it's like a factory rider, right? Yeah, yeah. trials rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, uh, three hundred and fifty trials bikes. Um, so my old man actually was um, an interesting story because it, because it's probably relevant to why I'm in now. I live in England, and you know, and I'm married to an English girl, and uh, but that is I won't say that's home. That was it is home now, um, but I was born there, and um, my old man was born in Toronto, in in twenty nine, but he was um, three years old when he. So his mother was Welsh. She she left uh, Swansea in nineteen, like twenty five, sixteen years old. Answered an ad because Swansea's a shithole. Still is. No, and I'm not gonna get any trouble saying it because everybody knows Swansea. The yeah. Ca- Cardiff is a m- the most amazing city. But I don't
1: think that Swanseans from the 1920s are big fans of this show.
0: Yeah,
1: No, no, but I mean now, Swansea's a sh**hole now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> take,
3: take that. Well, yeah. This is our first international incident. Yeah, <laughs> finally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's with, <laughs> and it's <laughs> with Wales. Don't <laughs> worry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, uh, they don't got an army. We're going to be okay. They don't, they don't, they don't, boy, they play rugby. <laughs> the best rugby players in the world. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she goes to Toronto she ends up in Toronto working in Toronto as a nanny or something in the 20s hooks up with a Canadian guy named Holt that's where my name comes from from some Canadian guy who then knocks her up they get married my kid he's he's born here but by 32 they'd split up she jumps on a boat takes the kid back to Swansea so my old man grew up in Swansea but he's born. Born here. And so he has a Canadian birth certificate. He had a birth, he's passed now, Canadian birth certificate. And he ended up going to London during the war, but he was too young to join up. And then right after the war, he did join up. He went in the Royal Navy for 10 years. Went all over the world, South Africa, Cyprus, Mediterranean. And when he demobbed, when he came out, it was in Portsmouth, which is the Royal Navy base on the south uh, south of England. Got a job selling BSA motorcycles. Met my mother, who was a Portsmouth girl. Got married. I was born there. 1960. And all the time I'm growing up, I mean, this is great. All the time growing up, all he talked about was Canada, how amazing it was, the land of the big sky, the thing, the lakes. He was Three years old. <laughs>
1: no,
2: he, he
3: no, no, no. Uh, he, I remember it like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he went back to Wales when he was three. Yeah, yeah. So this and was his t- way
1: of being interesting. It was like I'm Canadian.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm Canadian, and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. you know, yeah. thing in Canada. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even know. And meanwhile, he was know. he was you know
3: <laughs> selling Triumph. He was selling Triumph cars and, mm-hmm. and BSA motorcycles. And they, okay, it was a swing the '60s and yeah. great times, but it wasn't. I mean, financially, if you look at what the economy was like in the 60s and the government thing, mm-hmm. and it was not a nice place. Yeah. And everybody was leaving. And people were going to South Africa, Australia, Canada, Canada all yeah. the Commonwealth countries because you could get in there. And he didn't need to do anything to get in. He had a Canadian birth certificate. Yeah. Tony Tracy. To- Tony Tracy. Absolutely. Those guys those guys were all coming and escaping all that stuff and coming here because it was a land of opportunities. This city was built, Toronto, built by the Italian immigrants everything every it was all built by italian immigrants right but this is like our
1: third yeah like yeah. english dad moved here in the 60s yeah. kind of story. how yeah. many yeah. a lot did yeah
3: that, you know the ones that did the ones that you hung it out a bit yeah because sure. my dad hung Which it would out be like bit.
1: tony tracy yeah. and henchcliffe's yeah, dad same, yeah yeah.
3: same with my old man yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and best thing he ever did i'm mean, you know if i you know the best thing he ever did for me and well, so what happened? So we've ah, it's a great place, great place. He comes home in January 1969. Now, this is my, my mother, born in Portchester, Portsmouth there, in southern Hampshire on the south coast. And he comes home and says, I've sold the house. I swear to God, I've sold the house. We're moving to Canada. Huh. And my mother cried, you know. We moved and she cried herself to sleep for two years. <laughs> Straight into from a little bungalow up on the top of Ports to Downhill, just beautiful country thing, into a two bedroom apartment in Dom Mills. Traumatic. I was like life changing you know,
1: decisions she had no part of?
3: That's the way it was in the sixties, yeah. brother. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she followed him. Yeah. That's where they went. Yeah. And she and it was I think fairly, you know, tough on her. For sure, and they didn't last that. I mean, they were there till '84, and then they they packed up there and went to Portugal. And my mother still lives just south of Lisbon. Oh, been nice. there She's been there thirty years. Okay, so it worked out in the end. She, she's <laughs> yeah, awesome lady. Yeah, awesome lady. And and we ended up here, and and I could only thank him for that because I think I I am. Um, changed me quite well it changed me the first week because i was in a school i was in this junior school of portsmouth grammar school and when i arrived in canada and, and kings lake road public school here in don mills on monday morning i was lawrence and i spoke like this and then and then by wednesday i was larry and i spoke like this <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i would not have survived yeah, yeah. i would not have yep. survived yeah so you're pro-bullying just to be clear on yeah. this podcast,
0: I was, I was <laughs> the take up that on Canada. Are they yeah. they end up bullying a bit.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think no, yeah. they bullied the <laughs> shit out of the little English kid. <laughs> yeah, but right. only for a day and a half. Yeah. Yeah, Lawrence, yeah, yeah. right? Lawrence, Lawrence, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lawrence yeah. took a kicking. Yeah, uh, yeah. for yeah. for a bit, and then and then I was Larry, and and then. Um, and then, yeah, we got out of the we, – we dropped the – things got a bit out of hand for me. I, I took up the smoking and the, the carrying on. And, the you know, it, it, the we, we we were all going home. And then both parents – everybody's – both parents were living in an apartment building. Everybody worked. So you'd have, like, floor wars between, <laughs> between you know, you know, living in an apartment. You know, a kid's home and no parents. So we have floor wars. Yeah. So we were on the sixth floor, and we used to have a big war with the eighth floor. And, and that was all about – you know, you'd come home, you'd open the freezer door, and you'd let the the fridge defrost a bit, and then you take big chunks of ice <laughs> and stick it through the eighth floor people's uh, like a trash slots. Yeah, okay. No, yeah, no, it, in, in through the, the mail mail through their slot. mail oh, slot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and, and the weapon of choice was a, a length of um, Hot Wheels track.
0: Oh yeah, you you get get it, that, the door
3: right. No, no, no. It's for Just when you're right fighting for hand to oh, hand. Oh, like a sword. Hand, yeah, no, hand to hand. combat. you lay, yeah. you. I had some. You get some. I, you could identify a Hot Wheel track welt across your <laughs> forearm. I mean, what's that? I go, that's Hot Wheel. Uh, that's hot a prison. Wheel. <laughs> that's Hot Wheel track. I got that. Uh, I got was that eight. in a. <laughs> I got that in a hand-to-hand <laughs> yeah. combat fight in the elevator. I'm an eighth-floor guy. You know what it is. But we used to, we used to do shit. like I was nine. We used to, like, jam the doors open and jump on top of the
1: elevators. (laughs)
2: Jesus!
1: (laughs) Like, and ride them. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why you had to have so many kids in that era. Yeah. yeah. You know?
3: Yeah. And then if somebody's doing that, you're all going, great, great. You know, if you jam the door open so he can get off on the front on the floor right, above yeah, and before then, you, you know, get the, to the roof yeah <laughs> but the really cool trick no there's room i know okay. there's <laughs> you, you know yeah. Yeah, okay. no there's room up there you don't for a little kid you don't you don't worry about getting okay. squished you okay.
1: know. <laughs> I, so. there's an age limit
3: and at one point my mom says we got to get out of here yeah we, we got to get out of here yeah. so we did and we bought a house about 10 miles from here but and, um,
1: critically the just because it's going to show up later the prank culture has already started in you oh <sighs> yeah, yeah.
3: I was bad for the, to the bone from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, Okay. <laughs> I'd say I got that from Jim. Uh, right. so, so anyway, so mom moved. Uh, we, we got and uh, moved to the country. Okay. And, and that was great. And I went to a, a, a little public school up here and made a load of friends. And then went to the high school in Stovall, which is just down here, and played rugby, uh, played a lot of rugby, and, and uh, took two auto shop classes every year because you could. And machine shop. I was mostly taking shop class. So you're always a car guy. Always. Well, okay. So then the old man, we come here. So grew up. He was, he yeah, got Ferrari. He 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 ran a Ferrari dealership here. Yeah, he he he. So he was always often either in in Milan for meetings with with um, with uh, Fiat or in in Bologna and late Maranello for meetings with Ferrari and and uh, and then you know and then the big thing happened for me. I was always in you know I was going to watch him race bikes. I was we were you know, always going to Buley or somewhere, and there's pictures, millions of pictures of me sitting on motorcycles or riding on the front of a motorcycle, and I all kind of vaguely remember that, and always having cars around, always the thing, and I, I think we made a couple of trips to Goodwin when it was still alive before it got shut down for that period, and so motor racing was always kind of there, but then in 72, um, the the Ferrari guys came. My dad did a a deal where anybody that bought a Ferrari in the previous 12, well, anybody that had bought a Ferrari at Young Steels up to that year, 72, uh, were invited free of charge. And they set up a, the, like the world's first hospitality at most uh, one, Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Above, the, where they used to have the garages, and the above the garages, they, 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 they had some handrails and a bit of AstroTurf. And I took a bunch of pictures um, on top of there down at, the Ferraris at, at, at X and Ragazzoni you know Stewart and Survey rolling through but the really big thing was then between Mosport and Watkins Glen which was the next race the cars came to dad's dealership oh cool that, that is yeah and they prepped the, them for the Glenn. The Ferraris? Yeah. yeah Ferrari nice. Formula One amazing. cars yeah. being prepped. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm 12. Yeah. 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 Oh, and yeah. at the that time, at that time, right? I'm yeah. washing the cars on the lot. I was earning, you know, a dollar or 90 cents. I don't, he didn't go a dollar, <laughs> uh, but, but 90 cents an hour. And I wash. I was on Saturdays and Sundays, I washed the cars. And then, you know, then I, I took a few days off school and, and I ended up down there still washing the cars. And, and, and um, I'm 12, and I'm you know polishing the bodywork on the 312 beast uh, that that uh, Ix and Requizoni are yeah. going to drive it. Uh, yeah, how could that yeah, not be any cool? Yeah, and then yeah. I started going to races, and then um, and you know I went, and then that year, that same year, I think it was uh, 72. I, I was yeah, it was 72. Went to the Can-Am um, as a spectator because I didn't have nothing going on there, but um, it was the the debut of the 917 uh with Donahue I got some unbelievable pictures of that well you got to look way in the distance because I didn't have a long lens but of Donahue going down two, with a like a 45 degree slip angle on it. he's going down there in this 917k and it's like going 45 degrees to his to the direction he's going amazing in the end Denny won, won. Denny Hulme won in the McLaren and I, I I got my way to the the winner's circle and I got a unbelievable picture of Danny's car with the wreath around the the, the around the intake. And there's a, you can see if you look in the bullet mirror, there's this this little twelve year old with a like <laughs> <could take> it taking their off take awesome. it. So yeah. Okay, does it come yeah yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. how could you yeah, how man. could yeah. you not? Yeah. Yeah. How could you not? So the guy that used to take me to the races was a guy named Jeff Smith. Really cool guy. I'm um, big in racing. came from England, was always involved with racing. And then um, a guy shows up on dad's door shop. He, he seemed to, you know, it was Ferrari dealership, so seemed to sort of attract all these the transient type, all uh, non-Canadian guys that showed up at his door. And this guy, Roger Milbank was his name. He shows up, and he, um, he was an English guy, big into motorcycle racing at one time. He, this guy, was racing. And so he shared a shop down in Don Mills, Roger did, with a guy named... Um, uh Len Campbell was his name, who ran Atlantic Cars. At the same time as Bobby and like all and Bobby and, Ray Hall. Yeah, Bobby yeah. Ray Hall, yeah. Villeneuve, uh Gilles Villeneuve, all those hot rod guys, they were all running at that time. Price Cobb. That was the absolute pinnacle of nineteen seventies open wheel stuff here. That's what Trois Riviere, you know, that's when James Hunt used to come over and race it and went, Hey, you you know Told told Teddy Mayer, you got to look at this French Canadian, famously, right? And and Teddy didn't, and he went to Ferrari, yeah. and so and Roger bought a, a trailer uh, that was all framed in, but needed to be have the aluminum put on it. And he said to my dad, so is Lawrence looking for something to do and the thing and got <laughs> to get in around racing. Yeah, and you know, they all called me Lawrence because
1: my, my dad That's called what your me dad Lawrence. Dad called you right? Yeah, he never called me Larry. Right.
3: My mom never called me Larry, and so everybody. is yeah, so
1: when you see motivation, you see free labor.
3: Yeah. 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 Right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Let's do this. And what was this? This was getting a bunch of uh, aircraft aluminum, you know, clamping it on the side of this thing which had pre hold steel frame, drilling all the holes backwards through through this aluminum and putting in like thirty eight hundred Rivets. He did get me an air riveter, but um, thirty-eight hundred, yeah. and then you know yeah. once in a while I get one like slightly, slightly off, and he'd say, "Ah, oh, it's drilling all my mouth. Like he was an absolute perfectionist, this guy. It was, it was a shit job, um, but I did it. It took like two weeks out in the back. In the back between the shops, there was a thing, and I was out there all, all day long doing this thing. And then we got it side—you know—we got siding on it, and it we got it signed right at Millbrook Racing. And that's next. he says, "Hey, you know, all the all the mag wheels need cleaning." So then I cleaned all the mag wheels, and and then and then. And you're getting rich off of this. I don't think he paid me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, weird, weird. Didn't see that at all. No, yeah. never paid me. But yeah. he fed me, you know. We got Swiss uh, L.A. Yeah, yeah. we got Swiss L.A twice a day, and uh, chicken sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. then uh, and then, and then yeah. he he says we're, we're gonna go racing. Today. And he was from Sonoma. Um, <laughs> I got the connection. No. Okay. Um, no, he was not from Sonoma. He he's an Eng- he was an English guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I got the. Con- I'm not. I'm not gonna play that up. So <laughs> so. Uh, but good joke. But good joke. Here's the thing, though. So we would work there, and we would finish up at 11, and he had moved up to, he he lived um, between the workshop down in in Toronto, North Toronto, and my parents' house up here, and he lived about three-quarters of the way to my parents' house. So he, and we would get in there, and he would go, God, he says, I'm tired. Will you drive? Right? And I'm 14, (laughs) right? And the car is my dad's, belongs to the dealership. It's a demonstrator. He goes, You drive me? And I jump in this thing and I drive home. And it was like forty minutes up the road at eleven thirty at night and I drive, pull in the driveway, and then wake him up. And then he'd get back in the driver's seat and he'd drive fifteen minutes, ten minutes back to his house. <laughs> and we did it every night. <laughs> you go, I'm really tired. <laughs> and so anyway, we got he got a car kind of together and he wanted to shake it out. And there was a, a club event. Um, a regional club event at San Air. You know where that is? That's I a, know the name.
0: I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So, while there's San Air became a little bit famous. They built an oval there. They built yeah, that's the the, right. The one that busted up Rick Mears. That's the yeah, one yeah. that busted up Rick yeah. Mears. So we rock up with, with Lola T212, and everybody's got five ten Datsuns and and we roll this T212 off, and and it's just me and him. Yeah. Like, I got a big toolbox and yeah. i don't know what i was going to do with it <laughs> and the thing has lucas See, fuel part, right? lucas yeah. fuel injection man it was like it was just it was pretty pretty amazing little car yeah and we ran the car and he won It was three events and we won all three events it took me this first time i'd ever been in the strippers it took me the. To, oh yeah, yeah well that's cool back you know i don't know what that means that's where strippers were invented <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah there's okay. a college so there's i was a
3: college in Trois rivieres yeah. yeah. Teaches yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I understand Twilight year. Yeah, yeah. But, no, no, uh, but this is the province of Quebec. Okay. I just, so fourteen year old drinking beer, stripper club. Yep. Dang, that's not the worst part of the story. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sunday night. The part. Sunday night we gotta head home. And he's been driving. I mean he wasn't in great shape, but you know, he's done three one hour sprint events and drunk a lot of beer and done all this stuff and worked on a car together, which wasn't really working. He put fuel in it, dipped the oil, you know, like that. And then off we go. And he had this trailer that I'd built, which was a little like 26-foot box trailer. And he towed it with a Cadillac sedan DeVille, brand new, 74, oh, wow. white, white with red leather interior. Yeah. So off we go. We're driving this this Cadillac up thing. And we get basically, St. Air is about half an hour from Montreal. We get up to Montreal, and, and and we're probably 50 minutes south of the tall booth of going over the bridge. And he goes, oh, man. He says, I'm, I keep falling asleep.
1: And I go okay because <laughs> he did that. He used to fall asleep a lot, and uh, driving. And he goes, "Can you, can you handle this?" Cause, so he expects a 14-year-old to drive across a toll bridge where you're going to interface with somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I was, like I was,
3: I looked yeah. older than I was, okay. and I, was, I was and 15? I did. 15, okay. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it and I remember, I remember, um, I even handled the fact that I knew it was going to be too wide for the. Anyway, I went through the right, the correct lane, paid the toll. <laughs> Got through the toll and drove all the way to basically Kingston, Ontario, which is two two and a half hours from yeah. Montreal. And then he woke up and went, "You okay?" <laughs> and I go, if I weren't okay, <laughs> you wouldn't be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so pulled over and and he got behind the wheel and finished off two hour drive from two uh, from Kingston back. Yeah. And uh, and and he always used to say he shouldn't maybe tell you that about the <laughs> and i never did <laughs> <laughs> i never did so 14 12 with the ferraris 14 with the lola 14 and yeah, yeah. 15 well, now eight. you're a, like a winning <laughs> race mechanic yeah. yeah and yeah. like a grizzled road veteran yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, truck driver he wadded it up at most <laughs> in 75 going down four i don't I, I i was in the pits but yeah and did the tub and then and then he packed it all up and that was the last i went then i went I went motocross racing. That that was that was. I now own that car, or I own <laughs> supposedly. And so I've had the car for three years. I started it after I had it for a year, and then George Howard Chapel and all the boys. Ah,
1: oh, we're having a track
3: day. Let's go. Let's go. Bring your car. Bring your car. And I just can't. I just don't. I don't have any spare. I haven't had a week's holiday. I haven't had a a holiday. What somebody would call a holiday. I, I have sneaky Monday, sneaky Friday, that kind of. Shit. But a week's off. A week holiday, like where you take five days off between two weekends. Last time I did that was 2011. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, I completely believe that. Yeah. The, that's, and I went up Kilimanjaro got married. That's why I had to have the week off. You can't get to the top of Kilimanjaro in two days. You have to – well, you can, but you would be in hospital.
0: You said the last time you took a vacation was to get married. Yep.
2: <laughs> Lucky her. Um.
3: Hey, the only way I could get – she's not a marrying kind. She's a very independent girl. And ah, she works, yeah. And she's a climber and all that stuff. And, yeah. And she always, and yeah. So it, I went, hey, if we get married on top of Kilimanjaro, would you do that? She goes, you can get, you can do that. I'll come. <laughs> I'll show up to that. We yeah. sent out 250 invitations to that. And each one of those really represented a couple. So that's like, like 500 people. Yeah. And nobody can <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. To the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. So if you're gonna do a destination wedding on the yeah.
1: cheap. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah, yeah that's Kilimanjaro a good idea. is a good way to keep it. You don't out.
1: want to do that. you want to invite
3: everybody. And you got there's <laughs> okay. a lot of obligation invites. Yes. When you're yes. in my business. Right? I understand this. <laughs> we are of, in your business. Yes. Yeah, a, lot <laughs> a lot of obligation a lot of obligation invites. So the way yeah. so you send the invites. Yeah. But it's not really a risk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They read it and it was like they were proper. Like yeah. they were all yeah. Yeah, done yeah. by the, you know, they were proper. And they yeah. opened it all up and read it and yeah, we yeah. the thing and the bottom it says location. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. Urua Heap, a Heap uh a whatever peak Kilimanjaro and we'll have slices of orange or something after <laughs> the the thing and I tell you it's people came. Peter came. He was my best man. Oh. P- Pete Chapkin yeah. His son Rick came. My son uh Jeffrey came. And uh, Victoria's sister came. Her dad came. We did get one. Somebody that Victoria had worked with. We called her Random Girl.
2: <laughs>
3: I, I still <laughs> sure don't know, her, I don't know her name.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> but yep. she came. Yeah. Okay. Good so, job, yeah, there, was, there were
3: seven people who were you know were always going to come. And, and, yeah.
1: she and then RG. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> RG, RG came. Yeah. How did you guys
3: meet? Victoria, I knew her for a long time. She actually, when we... When we purchased um, Dynamic Suspensions, a guy named Franco Fratton had come out of Lotus and set up his own damper shop, and it was in um, uh, Supernovas F3,000 uh, shop up in uh, Griston, which was also Argo Cars. You know, that was a really little hotbed of, of uh, Norfolk racing there. So um, she, Franco, had like 11 employees, and she was the administration administered administration assistant or something and i bought and she worked for me for a while and then she got her account she went into you know i i said yeah you should do that and and then i lost my my financial director and she was still just young she was like 22 or something and and uh i came talked to our vp of finance and she thought the world of her and so we offered her a job to be a financial director and i thought that was really going to be a a big thing and, and she said uh, no i I don't want that job I said, well you just study and you got all your accountancy papers and I said no she just I, I want an operational job and uh, uh, I think I can run this thing better than these other wankers. kind of she didn't say that in those words because she wouldn't use that word she was, she was a pretty proper English girl and and um, I said and so, <laughs> so Peter's old man used to have a saying which I've adopted you know if you want if you want to run an, an air conditioning a repair business you'd be an air conditioning mechanic like you should know what your business is victoria has another idea that you should know how to run a business and then you know you can learn what you need to learn which i call bull on business. anyway so i i gave her that line and so she re- she resigned and um, <laughs> Okay, I came back to We're Emily. To a great start. And Emily says, "So how, was that good?" You know, she's up for it. And and uh, I said, "No, she quit." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did this.
3: Here's an irony. She went on and went to work. For, I don't know if you know the company Beru F1, uh, BF1. They they build wiring harness. They're the best wiring harness racing car wiring harness. And they build steering wheels now. They're big in the steering wheel business. And they do a lot of carbon and stuff. She ended up there, and she was their um, financial director.
1: I got a major. For this part, right yep. here. Yeah. So, what uh, but, was your game? So, you tried hiring her, that didn't work.
3: No, there was no game actually at the okay. time. Straight up, I mean, I a very attractive girl, and absolutely, and super, super like turned her hand at anything, built her own house.
0: Oh, okay. Like with
3: no contractor. Yeah. Like yeah. when you say built her own house, her and her old man and her sister yeah. built her house. Much later, she started her own composite shop, phone me up out of nowhere. And said, "Hey, I'm doing this and this, and you—you've got a composite shop. Can you help me with this and this and this?" And then, then. Uh, so your game was
1: having knowledge on things, being, being really you good. See, at what you it that's did. all I got. Yeah, yeah. yeah, being useful. It's obviously okay. not yeah. the way
3: I look. It's got to be something about. <laughs> should we get into that? It's something. It's something about. It's something about knowing some stuff. And yeah, and she know. She knows some stuff. Holy yeah. smokes, she's. I should beat the hell out of me at most things.
1: Right. Most but things. somehow you trick her into. Marrying you at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro.
3: I think it was a trick. Yeah, it was a trick. Meow, meow, meow,
2: meow. I'm finished.
1: Hey, this next song is actually from Larry's son Jeff, who has his own band. It's called Stranger Stranger, S-T-R-N-G-R, and uh, this next song is called Colonials.